This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Would you turn with me to Numbers chapter 20? I don't know about you, um, but the word from last week has kind of burned in me this week. I don't know, maybe you've done forgot all about it, and that's okay if you forgot all about it. Um, I talked to you very clearly out of Numbers 13 and 14, how uh, Moses sent some spies into the land, into what was going to be the promised land. He sent them in, he sent 12 guys, and 10 of them come back and said, hey, uh, this is a beautiful land, there's, there's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, there's beautiful fruit, grape clusters so big we can't even carry them by ourselves, but we can't go there. Nobody can go into that land without being devoured. And Caleb came back and he said, I'm telling you, we need to go and we need to take that land. We can take it right now and it'll be okay. But the voices of the negative always outweigh the positive, remember? I told you the voices that are against your vision always are louder than the ones that are with your vision. I told you you got to have a vision, that the whole reason the spies went in in the first place was to have a vision of what was actually going on. Moses wanted to know what they were going to walk into. He wanted to see what could be and what would be. And then the negative voices outweighed. And then I told you lastly that because of the, the adversary, because of that mindset, because of the negativity, an entire generation of promises was missed. That entire generation of people missed out on receiving the promised land, the promises of God. And so we're going to step into Numbers chapter 20 today in this fourth week of uh, this series, Preparation for the Promise. And this is a passage of scripture that whenever we read it, it's going to sound very familiar with you. Uh, it should, because if you were here for our series through Exodus, we talked about in Exodus chapter 17, a very, very similar situation that took place. And I'll reference that in a few minutes, but we're going to look at this, but this is a different instance, a different passage of scripture. Um, and so I believe that there's a drastic difference in what took place. You'll see that in the scripture. Uh, Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While, there, uh, while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. That's important. You need to note that. Miriam died and was buried. First of all, you need, you need to know who Miriam was. Miriam was Moses and Aaron's sister. Okay? While they're in the wilderness, now they've lost their sister. Miriam is Moses' and Aaron's sister. So the sisters died. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people in the wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? 
This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water to drink. Does that sound crazy to you? Do you remember last week, just a little bit before, the spies went in and found this land that's flowing with beautiful streams and all this beautiful fruit, but yet all they can see is the place that they're at. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt to bring us to this place? Moses didn't take you out of Egypt to bring you to this place. It's in the destination. We ain't made it there yet. Quit judging it on where we are because we ain't made it there yet. And, and they're frustrated. And Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, listen, you need to hear the instructions clearly. This is the difference between Exodus chapter 17 and now. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. Did you even know rocks had water? Speak to the rock, and the rock will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord, and then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together to gather at the rock. But then things change. He's got an attitude that God himself didn't even have. Listen, you rebels. Listen, you, what's your problem? Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? It sounds like when you read that in these translations, any of our English translations, he sounds like he's talking about me, God, and Aaron, right? You get into the original translation, and the word we actually there is what's called a fatal term, and it has nothing to do with God. He's referring to himself and Aaron. Must me and Aaron bring you water from this rock to, feed, to, to, to give you the water? Moses really goofed up in this moment. And Moses raised his hand, he struck the rock staff, uh, he, he stuck, struck the rock twice with the staff. Water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. It sounds like a great story, right? Great job, Moses, you did it. You went before the Lord, the Lord gave instructions, you struck the rock, water came out of a rock, that's miraculous. Everybody had their feel. Everybody was good. And for the rest of the community, it was great. For Moses and Aaron, it was the end. Because verse 12 says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there were the people, there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. There's a couple of thoughts that I have. First of all, Kadesh. Kadesh is, uh, there's, 
different scholars have different thoughts and we can go way down deep into this of, of comparing and contrasting Exodus chapter 17 to Numbers chapter 20. Why there was no water there? Was it a place that should have been dry? Was it a place that should have had water? Was it, was it dried up because they had circled around over and over and every time they come to Kadesh, they used up all the water? There's all kind of thoughts as to why this was dry. The point is they got there and there's no water. A place that should have had water was dry. That's important. I need you to kind of build this with me in your mind just a little bit and kind of see yourself as Moses. First of all, his sister just died. When they left on this journey, when, when Moses left out of Egypt with these, this million plus group of people, Moses in his mind believed, I'm taking this group of people out of slavery. God is, is bringing them out of a place of bondage and God is taking them to a place that's been promised. I, as Moses, am gonna lead this group of people, their families, I'm gonna lead them and their children into this promised land. And by the time they make it to this point, can you imagine what's changed in Moses' life? Over and over, the people have complained against him and they, they've been frustrated with him. You should have just let us die back in the wilderness um, or back in Egypt. You should have let us stay in slavery. I told you last week, the people wanted to go back to slavery. They didn't want to be in freedom. They were so comfortable in what Egypt had for them, they'd rather be beaten in slavery and in this working mindset than live in freedom. Freedom required some unknowns. And they were more comfortable with what they knew even though it was bondage and even though it was slavery than stepping into freedom and being willing to step in faith of what's not known to come. So Miriam has now passed over and over and over, these faithless people have come against Moses. What are we going to eat, Moses? What are we going to drink, Moses? I don't, you brought us out here to die. Over and over, this takes place. And now, last week I told you that the people that Moses originally thought he was going to take in their promised land actually aren't going to go to the promised land. That entire generation is going to die out. So now Moses has got to walk through this entire thought process of, God, I don't really get exactly what's taking place because you, you, I followed your command. I led your people out of Egypt. You, you, you hardened Pharaoh's heart. You softened Pharaoh's heart. You hardened Pharaoh's heart. We, we, we parted out. We parted the Red Sea. We destroyed the Egyptians. And now here we are. Everybody has got to die out. We're in the wilderness. My sister's dead. Everybody thinks it's my fault. Imagine kind of what Moses felt. Nothing is the same as when he started this journey. He's struggling. And people, like people do, their grievance really isn't with Moses. It, it, the Bible says that they complain. There's no water for the people to drink. They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Their problem really isn't Moses and Aaron. Their problem really is God. They're taking out their emotions. They're taking out their frustrations on what they can see because really the one they're frustrated with and what they're really hurt by is what they can't see. Maybe you don't ever do that, but I do. 
right? If something has really messed me up and I'm really beat down and I'm messed up and I'm broken and I'm hurt and I'm frustrated, Micah typically is the one that gets the brunt of it. And in reality, it has nothing to do with her whatsoever. And I have to go back later and apologize and tell her that I love her and she's the best and she's awesome because she is and she takes it and she takes it on the chin. But I thought about this culture and this crazy movement that we're watching take place. And I spoke to it a little bit last week and I'm not diving down deep into it, but I'm just want to present the thought. Couldn't it be that our racial issues and our racial, ten- racial tension really aren't racial issues, but they're rooted from down deep in some hurt and some places that are, are down deep and some frustrations that are down deep. And so it's being taken out on what can actually be seen. We do it, right? Another thing that I see is these people can't make it past the present difficulties to get to the, the future blessings. They're stuck in the mindset, we don't have any water. God's brought water out of a rock for you before. I can't imagine Moses like, I think you'd want to beat his head up against the rock himself. They can't get past the the present difficulties to understand the future blessings. There's no fruit here. There's no pomegranates. There's no no water. There's no this. There's no that. You were just told that if you can ever make it to the place you're going, God never promised that those blessings were going to be on the journey. He promised that they're going to be at the destination. They're going to be in the destiny. If you can ever make it through the journey, if you can ever get through the place God's got to take you through to get to the place God's got to take you to, then you get past those, those present difficulties to make it to the future blessings. They could not get past the present difficulties, the things that they were struggling with to ever make it to where God really had, where he was pouring out blessings, lands flowing with milk and honey, grapes so big, two people had to carry them. They couldn't make it past the present difficulties to make it to the future blessings. Another thing that I see is Moses used his position to blast this group of people. Psalm talked about it where where the people literally had had provoked Moses to anger and he acted out with harsh words against the people. They've drove him to a point and I don't know that it's, I have to wonder as just a mere man, was it really that he's mad or has their disbelief got to a point that it's, it's, it's starting to make him live in disbelief? Have the people around him, the people that he's attempting to bring to this new place, has their lack of faith really pulled down on him and tore down on him to the point that he himself is, is missing the faith that's needed? He does the same thing he does every time, and he goes and he lays down before God at the tabernacle, and God's glory shows up like it always does, and God gives these very clear instructions. You you need to get the people together. You stand there, and you you get the people while they watch. You speak to the rock, and the the rock's going to pour out water. 
But Moses takes the opportunity when he gets everybody together, he blasts them, you rebels, why can't you get it together? And I have to believe that that's out of frustration, but I also have to think that the people that are around us that that are experiencing a lack of faith, if we're not careful, those people that are living in doubt, those people living in fear, those people that are living faithless, eventually will wear us down enough to where we were the fearless, fearless leader that brought that people out of Egypt. And then we find ourselves as moms and dads because our kids are driving us nuts. As, as moms and dads, your kids are in here, I'm sorry. Uh, you're, there, you find yourself so beat down and so tore down, you're like, whatever, I don't even care. Or you're to a place where you, you're doing your best to live in a way on the job that's glorifying God and everything you do is to glorify God is to the very best of your ability, but you're in such a, a dreary place that eventually you're like, I don't even care anymore. Just give me the paycheck, right? If we're not careful, we do the same thing Moses did and rather than walking in faith and knowing I'm going to a better place, we find ourselves turning around and bringing division and disunity between each other because their lack of faith has now torn us down and now we're walking in disbelief. Nowhere did God tell Moses to fuss at the people, right? In fact, if I'm not mistaken, maybe you can confirm it for me. The Bible clearly says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It won't Moses' place to whoop them people for not having any faith. God actually didn't seem to have an issue with it. He didn't say, Go and condemn them for having no faith and chew them out and bless them out. They don't need no water. Make them fast water for two days because they ain't got enough faith. He didn't do that. In fact, whereas in Exodus chapter 17, he said, strike the rock. And when you strike the rock with the staff, it's going to fly out water. He actually said, we're going to strengthen these people's faith. You don't even go touch it because it's not by your power, but it's by my power. The words that come out of your mouth are going to bring water out of that rock. You're going to strengthen the people's faith because I'm going to be glorified. They're going to know it's not you whatsoever, Moses. It's got to be me that makes it happen. Clear instructions. The people's faith should have been strengthened. I'm going to do something new. You know, God doesn't always do it the same way he did the last time. Just because it worked and just because it was good doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be this go-round. And if we're not careful, and if we try to play Moses... And do it the same way that we did it last time when God clearly told us to do it different. We rob ourselves of the blessing of the promised land. Did you get that? Because that was good. If we're not careful, and if we try to do the same thing the same way we did, knowing God's instructing us to do it differently this time, if we do it the same way, And we're disobedient, thinking we know better than God, we rob ourselves of the promised land. Wasn't that the whole purpose of this journey? To make it to the promised land? 
So didn't that kind of, sort of, in some way, make these whole 30-something years in vain? Lord, help us. If all these years are in vain because I can't follow instructions. So there's three thoughts. Seasons that should be wet are sometimes dry. Seasons that should be wet are sometimes dry. I don't know about you. I got an email this morning, so obviously it ain't just me. I got an email this morning. It's a promotional kind of email from a church coach kind of guy wanting you to buy something. I didn't actually open the email, but the little title popped up. It says, how are you feeling emotionally? Flat or like a yo-yo? So obviously I'm not the only guy that feels that way because this guy's going to market it and make money on it. I don't know how you've felt over the last 12, 13 weeks. Maybe you've been excited to be cooped up in your house. I don't know. Maybe you've enjoyed sitting around in your pajama pants all day and hanging out. I don't know. My emotions have been like a, a yo-yo. Can I just be real? Good, because I've never been anything but. If you don't like it, I love you. And I'll give you the state bishop's phone number. I'm going to be real. Because I believe, if you be honest, your emotions have been like a yo-yo too. I got a text message last Sunday afternoon from a pastor friend of mine in a, a group of pastor group texts that we've gotten. He says, what have you learned throughout the season? You know, I love my circle. None of us responded to that text message. One did with a joke. Conviction hit me Sunday afternoon. because I don't want to face what I've learned. I don't really know that I've accepted what I've learned. But what I've learned is, and it was unreal how God used this passage of scripture to completely pull it all together for me, is that seasons that should be wet are sometimes dry. Where there should be a stream flowing that I can throw my fishing pole in, that I can jump in and swim around in, that I can get me something to drink, that I can feed and, and water everybody around me, where there should be water, sometimes there's not. So what do I do when I'm in the middle of a dry season, a place where there should be water and it's dry as a bone? That's what I've had to learn. Because this guy struggled like a yo-yo over the last 12 or 13 weeks trying to figure out how to get water in the dry season. You got to understand, there's a calling on my life to minister to people. There's a calling on my life to stand before people and deliver the word of God. I couldn't do that. I believe that I'm created in some way, shape, or form and you don't have to agree with it, but I know there's an anointing and a calling on my life and there's an appointment. 
And this is what God has for me to do. And so trying to figure out how I'm supposed to do this, how, how God am I supposed to, to pastor people? How am I supposed to edify a church and glorify your name when I can't even stand before the people? I don't know what yours has been like. I'm just telling you what mine's been like. It's been dry. And I found myself thirsting for some water in the smack dab middle of a dry season. Some seasons that should have water are going to be dry. If anything has ever taught us that before, it should be these last two months. If you're a control freak, and you're kind of like me, maybe you've learned you have zero control. Seasons that should have water are going to be dry. Second thing, the second thought is actions out of emotions lead to outcomes that are undesired. They're in a dry season. Moses is beat down. He has to be busted up, disgusted, messed up. His sister, they just buried his sister. She was actually one halfway doing okay through this process. She was the one halfway lifting him up, and now they've buried her. She's died. She's gone, and now it is Moses and Aaron. I think some reality is beginning to set in. Things are really getting real. This is actually not going to go the way that I believed, and when I left to go on this journey, it's going to go. People have, have beat him down. I just, we talked about it. The unfaithfulness of the people have brought unfaithfulness to Moses. And, and I believe he's, he's dealing with this lack of faith. They, they've pulled him down. They've drug him down. And now he himself is beginning to wonder, God, what in the world are you even doing? Why are we even here? Why did you make us leave? And now out of emotion, he, he does an action. And he takes things into his own hands, which gets him outcomes that are not desired. Actions out of emotion lead to outcomes that are undesired. First of all, he rashly acted out to the people. What did that do to him as a leader? When he, he, he rashly acted out and he pushed out of them, what did it do to him as the one that was supposed to be the fearless leader leading them out of Egypt? Secondly, he completely took things into his own hands, believing that he was blessed by God and knowing if I go strike that rock, it don't matter in what manner, what attitude, what, how I do it. When I strike that rock, God's going to pour water out of it. And at that point, I believe he had to build himself up enough that he took the staff and he and Aaron went. And I know Aaron was involved. You don't read that, but you see that Aaron got the same punishment. Right? Aaron had to have played a part. He takes the staff and instead of following God's instruction, he said, am I going to have to give you some water so you actually believe? And I believe he's speaking to himself. God's not providing what I need God to provide when I need him to provide it, so I'm taking it into my own hands. And he strikes the rock not once but twice. And water starts flowing and the people drink and they're happy. The undesired outcome is, though, Moses and Aaron is told, you're not going in, like it or not. 
You disobeyed, and out of your emotions, you acted. And because you acted the way you did, you acted in a way that was not of the character of God. I did not whatsoever cast judgment on those people for needing something to drink. You did. And your action out of emotion has now got an undesired outcome. The last thought is this. God's grace is still sufficient through Moses' disobedience. No, Moses didn't get enter in. But the people were still blessed. The people still got what they needed to sustain. God can use some of the most crazy situations, some of the most evil people. God can even use evil heart and intention and do something amazing. Just this week, we got a sister church, the Johnsonville Church of God. You know Derek and Connie Howard that were a part of this church. You raised them up in the ministry. They pastor that church. Some brilliant people. Trying to save those guys from having to bleep out my words. Just don't make sense. Decided to paint all over it. Spray paint. Horrible, horrible, horrible things. ridiculous things that they decided to spray paint all over this church. You know what it actually got the church? A new paint job. You know what it actually got the church? A new free paint job. Isn't that awesome? You know what else they got? We, we were going to try to help and donate some materials, we just had the fellowship hall painted. If you didn't actually notice, the outside of the fellowship hall has been painted and the vinyl's been fixed and tried to do a couple things. We had some paint left over and I, we reached out to Derek and I said, hey, I got some paint, we'll work it out. I got a connection with the paint store. He said, man, I want my community to donate this paint. He said, I want to see our people do this. And so you know what else happened? God used this evil intent these sorry jokers that decided to get on some red spray paint and paint up the house of God. The church has got a new paint job with free paint, free labor, and the, whoever's going to do the paint and the labor has got a blessing of God because they gave out of the generosity and the abundance of their heart. God's poured out blessing because of somebody's dumb ideas. God is gracious even in disobedience. Moses and Aaron messed up. There's no question about it. They received the, the, the penalty. They received the, the problem. But what took place was the people. If you stop, you can stop at verse 11 and say, well, that was a great story, man. The people received the water. The entire community and their livestock, they drank to their fill. Here's, here's what some very real brothers have had to speak into me. See, we in the dry season expect there to be water to satisfy. 
I expect. Why makes no sense because I've lived this faith walk long enough to know it's not true. I expect that if God leads me to a season and he brings me to a season that I'm going to have exactly what I need, when I need it, how I need it, when I want it. And there'll be no dry season. That's a lie. Because where God's promises are, are in the fulfillment of the faithfulness when we actually get there. The spies saw this beautiful land. God never said the journey from Egypt to Canaan land was going to be great. He never said that it was going to be a walk through the tropical forest where you could just reach up and pick up an orange or a pineapple and grapes and just devour them as you wish. We gave up that when we sinned and disobeyed God in the garden. Adam and Eve ruined that for us from the beginning. He never said that the journey was going to be easy. But yet somehow still, not you, me. find myself like a yo-yo where I can ride that wave. God is amazing. God is faithful. Lord, look at the blessings you poured out on my life. And then for some reason, I'm like a yo-yo and I drop. And I can fall off to the bottom. Even one of them sorry cheap yo-yos that don't come back up and you just hang out there for a little while. Maybe you don't get like that, but I'm like that. And here's somebody finally picked me up and wound the string back up for me. He said, Mitchell, you're so comfortable that you're looking and you found your joy and contentment in all these wrong places. And now that those places are no more, it's gone. Because while I'm walking in the wet season and I can go to those beautiful streams that should be in Kadesh, some scholars say that there used to be beautiful streams that rolled through there. While I'm there and I can walk up to the riverside and I can lean down and get me a drink of water, and that's good. But when that stream dries up, what have I got? And my yo-yo drops out and it's like, there ain't nothing here. I don't even know why I'm, what am I even doing? Why did I even leave Egypt in the first place? He said, you've got to learn to find your joy outside of your circumstance. Because your joy isn't in what you do. Your joy should be in who you are in God. Moses lost his head. He lost his mind. But what those people really needed, and why this story is so awesome to me, is God in the middle of a dry season. 
God didn't spring up some whale out of the middle of the ground. He told Moses to speak to what? A rock. I've never seen a water that runs, or a water running from a rock. I've busted plenty of rocks. A kid and never once have I busted one open and they go with water. It's the opposite, right? You bust it up and then you just got sand and dust is dry. Those people were thirsty. What they didn't realize was just like the lady In John chapter 4, who had to keep going back to the well over and over to get her water, Jesus shows up and he says, actually, if you drink this water, this living water, you'd be satisfied and you'd never thirst again. Numbers chapter 20 is a representation of the rock, the cornerstone. We sang about Jesus, the cornerstone. A minute ago, he's the rock. He's our foundation, right? The word says that the house that's built on sand is sure to fall when the wind and the rain comes, but the house that's built on the rock is gonna stand. Out of the rock is where the water flows. And so what I have had to learn in this season is that regardless of what kind of season I find myself in, regardless of what it looks like around me, regardless of how full of dust my nostrils are, I don't find joy in the situation. I better find my joy in the foundation as I stand on a rock. And when I stand on the rock, I can speak to the rock. And out of that rock is going to flow rivers of living water that I don't have to thirst anymore. What have I learned? I've learned my joy can't whatsoever in any way, shape, or form be found in what I do but rather it's got to be found only in who I am as I stand on the rock. Moses goofed it up. But beyond that, some seasons that should be wet are going to be dry. And this yo-yo of emotions, Brother Bruce and I had a conversation at the door earlier. And he told me something. I said, that's just the devil conquering that person's mind. Accusing that person of something. Defeating them in their mind. A song earlier said, I lift you higher than my mind and then my heart. Because my true joy can be found when I get out of my mind and I get out of my heart. I get out of my emotions and I find myself holy, 
holy before the Lord, completely standing on the word of God. I don't have to be thirsty. I ain't got to go complain to Moses and Aaron, whoever else, because I ain't got nothing to drink. All I'm going to do is say, God, I'm thirsty. Rock, give me something to drink. And that rock ain't going to ever dry up. It's never going to dry out. And I can be full of joy. I can be full of contentment through any situation because I'm no longer going to find my joy and contentment in the situation that's going to be dry. I don't even expect there to be good fruit on the journey. This will be where I'm headed. So I don't know what your journey's been like. Maybe it hasn't been like a yo-yo. Maybe you're on cloud nine, you're riding this wave. Friends, waves always crash on the beach. Eventually, your wave's going to crash. I don't care how long you ride it, how good of a surfer you think you can be, your wave's going to crash. And when it does, you're going to be dead in the water, swimming, trying to find a way out. You can speak to that rock and say, God, you are my joy. I'm thirsty. It's dry. I need something not only for me, but the people around me, those livestock, those families. Everybody was thirsty. God, I need not just for me, but for the people that I come in contact with, I need to be full of the joy of the Lord. There's going to be dry seasons that should be wet. Actions out of emotions lead to undesired outcome. But God's grace and his favor extends beyond our stupidity and our disobedience. Father, God, I love you. Lord, I thank you that even though it took a global pandemic for me to get to this place to understand Father where my joy not can come from but must come from God and although it took you taking things away from me to show me what I actually needed I thank you, God, that those things were removed for the season so that I could experience the dry season. God, I believe that I'm not the only one in the room today. God, I'm not the only one that's, out of the people that are watching online today, I'm not the only one that's experienced life like a yo-yo. God, I believe that this word was for us today. As hopefully in some way we're trying to find our way to the end of this season, to the end of this situation. God, let us not look at other people and cast our blame and our frustration on them when we are really dealing with our own junk on the inside. 
God, when somebody else does that to us, let us act as your word would tell us. Let us be the peacemakers, God. Let us be the one that, that would turn the other cheek and let us be the one full of grace and love and compassion for the people around us. God, let us not act irrationally out of emotion and out of our feeling and out of the thoughts that are going through our mind, God, but let us remain faithful in you. Let us realize that this journey actually isn't the place. It's not not the journey that you've made all these promises. It's not the journey that's promised to be fruitful. It's the destination. God, let us not get so hung up on our present difficulties that we can't make it to the future blessings. God, let us remain in tune with your word. Let us remain in tune with your spirit. God, we recognize that the way you did it before might not be the way that you do it now. But let us be so in tune with who you are and what you say. God, that we follow your word closely and obediently. Just like those people's faith could have been strengthened had Moses followed your instructions, spoke to the rock from a distance, I believe that our faith can be expanded to as we follow your word. God, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. God, give us grace and peace. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.